you know, all these people that for years and decades have been saying like, there's no God and all that stuff's crazy. And this is all there is. And there was this accident called the big bang. And, you know, I, I don't know, there's something's going on <laughs> and just remembering that there's something bigger than you and tuning into it and being more in touch with it. That's, that's really kind of my main, my main spiritual practice. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. Today, we are back with Evan Pagan. He was our guest in show 567. He's author of the new book, Opportunity. In this show, we go behind the scenes and find out his habits for success following the Ziggler Wheel of Life. I got to tell you, as you heard a little bit uh, in the intro, I was especially interested in the spiritual spoke where Evan did state that more and more with talking with influential people of our times, the talk seems to be going towards a bigger power at play and something is going on. I love that line. Uh, remember, if you are a regular listener and you get value from this show, please leave us a review in iTunes. We've been getting some incredible reviews, sometimes almost one per day. Uh, and that really helps our rankings and helps people find our show. So if you would do that, that would be a great gift to us and the message of Ziegler. Well, hey, we'll dive in with Eben right away after we share a couple great resources with you. Okay, well, now let's find out about Eben Pagan's habits, daily habits for success in the Ziegler Wheel of Life. Seven spokes. Here we go. Yeah, I want to transition now into you, some of your background here, give people behind the scenes on your personal habits, following the Ziegler wheel of life, these seven spokes on the personal side and ask you what your challenges are. You just spoke of some on the family side, you know, what the challenges are and then what are those daily or consistent healthy habits that you put in place to keep yourself uh, ready and able to take advantage of the opportunities before you, uh, that as you say are often, if they're of value, they are hard. So we'll start off and ask you, what are you doing on the physical side of wellness for yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a big believer in the Pareto principle, you know, do the 20% that gets you the 80%. Yeah. My regimen is number one. Um, my wife and I put our daughter to sleep every night. <clears throat> That's been a family ritual. It's so important. we both put our, our daughter to sleep every single night. And, uh, and I sleep until I wake up. Mm. Yeah. I just, it, it's so important to get enough sleep, whatever that, whatever that means. Okay. So I go to sleep. I used to be more of a night person, but now with the daughter and waking up with her and, and other things, um, we, we tend to all go to sleep as a family. And then when I wake up, I wake up and I have work scheduled. If I have calls and things, I schedule it hours after I would normally wake up so that I, I don't have to, you know, lose sleep. Now, sometimes I need to wake up early, you know, I mean, we travel and sometimes I have work and other things where I have to get up early. That's fine. But I'm just saying generally, yeah. most of the time sleep. Um, next thing is every morning I make a green smoothie, a green shake. And this has been with me for like 10 years now. And I reasoned that um, when I was looking at nutrients and nutrient values of foods and so forth. I was like, Oh, you know, look at the food pyramid. Some foods probably have a lot more nutrients than others. What are those? Yeah. And I found that, you know, organic greens kind of diverse organic greens have uh, lots of nutrients and there are other things like spirulina and chlorella and they're very concentrated, uh, like protein and, and uh, vitamins and minerals. And so I, uh, and I've got this 
these powders. There's like 50 ingredients probably, and I'm not exaggerating. There's probably 50 ingredients that I put into this shake. Wow. I make big bags of the powder and mix all the ingredients together and then put a scoop in there and, and, and so forth. And so this is, it's just the most condensed nutrient thing that I can possibly imagine it being. And I get up, I make that, I give it to my wife, I give it to my daughter, and I have it. And I know that if we just drink that thing that day, and then if you know you just ate like, you know, white bread for the rest of the day, right. you would get the enough basic nutrients that you would you know be able to be okay. So that green shake is super important. I make two of them, by the way. I have one for my first meal. I usually have uh, oatmeal or granola for my second meal, and then uh, I have another one of those green shakes for my third meal. And I usually have four or five small meals through the day. So that's right. another thing that I do. Um, try to get uh, thirty minutes of kind of moving exercise. Um, of going out for a, a walk slash jog and just get my heart rate up and, and move, you know, get that for, you know, 30 minutes a day, you know, more if I possibly can. Those pieces, the food, the sleep, the green shake, the food in the water, the nutrients. I also take a little vitamin pack that I, I take every day. Um, and uh, what was the last thing? Oh, and the exercise. That's the, that's the physical thing. You just, yeah. just get the basics in. It makes such a difference. It makes such a difference to your optimism, to your emotions, to everything. Oh, awesome. Okay. Family is the next one. You've alluded to that a lot and talked about that, but with your yeah. family, there's obviously some things that create challenges, whether it's travel or, or just the reality that you went for a long time as a, as a single guy or without a kid or whatever with those challenges. What are the things that you are uh, pretty resolute with? on keeping your family life healthy. Mm -hmm. Well, that ritual of putting our daughter to sleep uh, every night is a really special thing for us. Uh, some people like they need to do meals together or other things, which is, you know, which is great for them. Ours is just, it's that going to sleep together as a family every night. And uh, I, I usually give my daughter a bath and there's, there's certain things that we you know, that we do and, you know, we, we go places and we, we do different things, you know, trying to make sure we get good quality time uh, with the family, but that going to sleep together thing has just been, it's been really important to all connect at that time and talk and uh, kind of hang out. Um, with my wife, my wife's a love coach and I was a dating guru. And so we, <laughs> we geek out on relationship stuff. Uh -huh. Like if we have a fight or something happens, we have to go back and talk it all the way through and try to get down to the core issue, whatever that is, and feel heard and feel understood and, uh, and talk things through. So I would say with my wife, it's, um, don't let anything just go. I, I won't do that. And even if you need to get support or, you know, get counselors or get a therapist or something, you, you just go figure that thing out. And if you're up to playing the big game, what you eventually realize is that your partner is just uh, an avatar for your parents. Mm. All the issues that you've got with your partner are just stuff that have you know, that you have that are family stuff and that are, that are echoing down through the generations that have just been coming down and they're about you and they're about interactional dynamics and the animal that's inside of you. And if, if you're, uh, if you take on relationship as a personal development dojo or gym, uh, which we do, and then you just work everything out and you talk it all the way through and you keep going until you get there. I think that's very important. And my wife and I, uh, while if you really do this and you ask like, why are you doing it that way? You know, for example, like, you know, I think the door in our, in our house or our apartment, I think the doors should be closed. The door is there because it's there to close. 
my wife thinks the doors should be open. The door is there. It should be open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took us a while to realize this. <laughs> and we fight over, I don't want to fight over, but whatever. We, we go right. back and forth over this. And, and I just, you know, for probably a few years, I was just like, you're an idiot. The door should be closed. It's a door. And she would just leave them open. And then I kept asking questions and probing and getting down to it. And, you know, eventually I realized, like, my wife actually doesn't think that there are any boundaries between anything. She thinks that reality is all one big thing and that the idea of separateness is like somebody made that up. I think that everything's separate from everything else in reality. I think that there's boundaries everywhere and that we should be putting them up and we should, you know, good fences make good neighbors and all that. That's kind of more my style. And so now when it happens, if we kind of start getting into a little bit of an argument about it or something, I realize like this is futile. She's never going to get that doors are supposed to be closed because her metaphysical model of reality is that there is no separation between anything. And, and so you learn this kind of stuff yeah. um, when, you, uh, when you take on really understanding your partner. Well, I noticed the door behind you is closed just for the record. So we got that. I went through the, I go through the room before I do these and I make sure all the doors are. <laughs> that's, that's excellent. If uh, I can. Okay. Well, I would dig your wife. I'm one of those where the doors and the curtains are there to be open. I, I have no idea why. So I'll go what back. What is wrong with you people? I don't know. I'll go back. You said the person. <laughs> How did that happen? Were you wounded as a child? What, what did your parents do? To you? You're the one that said the avatar was the parent. So I'm going to put blame on them and go back and ask my folks, what on earth is happening with you guys? All right. Well, (laughs) the next one is mental is the mental aspect of your life to keep yourself just the the mental edge, mental sharpness. What is most paramount to your habits for that? Uh, Continual learning and particularly learning about new things, Mm. you know, learning about new things. The idea of knowledge, the, the idea that you can go and learn a symbol or a set of words or a picture and then you can carry that around in your mind and that you can use that to do better in the world. That's amazing. M- math, for example, that you can learn to count things and that there can be a number like a one or two or three. And that you can calculate those in your brain. You can say like three times three is nine rather than having to go like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then use your toes and so forth. Knowledge is such a miracle. It is a 10x or 100x or a 1,000xer. And high-quality knowledge is not a little bit better than low-quality knowledge. Like a valuable, good piece of knowledge is like 100 times mm-hmm. or a 1,000 times. And so learning new things and getting high-quality knowledge, that's, that's what I do. I just keep going and trying to learn about new areas. And, I mean, I'm very into this idea of, um, you know, that our skills – are basically our, our assets. You know, one of the guys on my team was just saying that and it was a great sentence. Like the skills are the assets and we need to be learning new skills. And it's about learning to the, uh, the point of competence, right? We're not trying to become the master of everything, but you just go learn about a new thing. And there's so many interesting things to learn about, you know, and if you go into business, you can learn about hiring people and managing people and you can learn about communication and you can learn about designing websites and marketing and, so many cool things that you can learn. And so, uh, yeah, it's learning and learning new things. Financial is the next spoke, big part of the entrepreneurial ups and downs, as you have talked about that it can be uh, fairly brutal, but so what are the financial habits that you have kept in place during the trajectory of your path? Well, one financial habit for a long time was get into debt. 
<laughs> yeah. And then I did that until I was 31. And then um, with kind of some of my first success, I paid off my debt and I've never gone back. And so, and that's really worked for me. You know, I, and even though my life hasn't been perfect and, you know, we go through financial stress and, you know, businesses have ups and downs and things. Um, that's been a, a very important one. You know, if you can get to the point where you can get yourself out, if you're in debt, get yourself out and stay out, do whatever you have to do in your lifestyle, cut back, manage, get rid of credit cards. They're too tempting. Most of us can't deal with, uh, having a lot of credit. I had a bunch of different credit cards. And one of the first things I did when I paid off my debt was I just got rid of all of them. Mm-hmm. I just said, I just, that it's too, too much temptation for me. So one is get out of debt and stay out of debt. Um, another one is I learned from Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. Uh, they look for one good investment idea per year. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but you know, Warren reportedly spends eight hours a day reading. So he does, he reads eight hours a day and gets a lot of investment opportunities. Okay. This is the most successful investor in history. And they look for one good investment opportunity a year. They're very selective. And they say, sometimes I don't, we don't find one. Right now, you know, I don't know about you, but money burns a hole in my pocket. If I got a bunch of money around, I got to find something to spend it on. And if there's some investments, I got to, you know, I feel like I've got to invest. So I learned this from Warren and Charlie and, uh, so my, my kind of practice here is when people are interested in, you know, trying to raise money or they're starting a business, I encourage people to come to me and I look at all the different ideas and I try once a year to pick something to invest in. And so I try to take whatever, you know, extra capital that we've got built up. And then I try to take the best opportunity. That's not just the best financial opportunity, but something where I feel like I can make a contribution and I'll enjoy it and I will enjoy working with the entrepreneur and that I can be a part of helping make the thing go, you know? And so that, and I also don't find once a year, you know, I don't, I probably in the last 10 years, I've I've probably found, I don't know, maybe six or seven of them or something like that. Um, And so that's been a habit that's very important to me is like bet on the best thing, but place a big bet. And so far, that seems to be working out pretty well for me. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Spiritual is the next one. And I, and I can't ask that one without pointing out that at the beginning of your story, you real quickly went from a Christian rock band to Burning Man. So we've covered a lot of ground there on the spiritual front. So I'll let you take it yeah. from there on the spiritual habits of your life. Yeah. Um. Well, I've been through a few spiritual paths and I've actually recently become very interested in the history of religion Hmm. Um, because when you go and you look, when you go yourself, instead of just taking someone else's word for it, when you actually go yourself and you say, I'm going to go and look at the history and I'm going to just see what patterns I can see for myself. Um, you, you find amazing stuff. You really find amazing stuff. And, you know, Joseph Campbell, um, you know, part of his story was he went to different cultures and he looked at their different religions and, uh, and he started seeing these patterns where they had these commonalities between them. And then that's how he created his hero's journey concept, which 
for example, George Lucas used to make the Star Wars movies. You know, there's this underlying hero's journey that we have. And um, I would say that my, probably my main spiritual practice is to remember that there's something more than me. To just remember that there's something beyond me that's beyond my understanding. And to tune into it. You know, to tune into that something that is beyond me. Uh, I mean, even in science, like, you know, these physics, technology, these kind of hardcore rationalists are showing up right now talking about the simulation hypothesis. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, you know, it's very likely that we're all in a big video game. The Matrix. of course. Yeah, exactly. The Matrix. And, you know, all these people that for years and decades have been saying like, there's no God and all that stuff's crazy. And this is all there is. And there was this accident called the big bang. And, you know, I, I don't know, there's something's going on and just remembering that there's something bigger than you and tuning into it and being more in touch with it. That's, that's really kind of my main, my main spiritual practice. I I just love that line. Something's going on. Um, yeah, there's it, something going on. Something is definitely going on. Thank you for that. Next one, career. And of course you've had, we've talked through some of your path and the varied, uh, mm-hmm. industries you've been into and initiatives you've been into, but in through that, I expect that there are some commonalities, there are some threads and that today, as you look at things, just like you talked about looking at investments, that there are some filters that you run things through. Uh, the opportunities that you go after to keep your career in the healthy place you want it to be. Yeah. A lot of it comes down to uh, initiating new things, Mm. you know, to, to doing new things every once in a while that challenge me that I'm interested in where I'm going to go learn something. Uh, I could have been a lot more financially successful if I would have just stuck with things that were making me money. And I would have just done that thing and made as much money as I could from it. But money, you know, money is not, doesn't make you happier. In fact, the more money you have, the more you worry about money because you have more to lose. And so I've just found that going and, you know, starting new things every once in a while, and, you know, most of them don't work out the way that I thought they were going to, um, but some of them do. And, uh, Yeah. It's just trying new things, getting outside my comfort zone once in a while, Mm -hmm. starting a new initiative in some new area where I'm going to be forced to learn. And it's going to be interesting. I've always appreciated uh, Franz Johansson, the guy who wrote the Medici effect. And he talked, I think it was a talk that he did. I don't know if it's in the book necessarily, but a talk that he did that I was at. And he talked about one of his main things that he came away and studying entrepreneurs was that they just try more things flat out, which I I know you see so much of that is about your book opportunity and, and trying new things. Last one here, Evan, is just the personal side. And this is the one, I mean, all, all of this is personal, obvious, but this is the, the things that you do that are just for you, just the things that give you joy, that give you play, uh, that inspire you. The one lately that's been the most fun for me the last few years has been the art, you know, this visionary art that I've got uh, up all around me and, you know, I've become so passionate about Um, as I started learning about it and I looked at the roots of it, um, 
if you go back through art history, um, you see that it's a big lineage and just like languages or anything else, like it evolved and it branched off and it became all these different things. And, you know, back a hundred, hundred, hundred and 10, 20 years ago, um, Picasso, you know, took abstraction and he started making art asking, what would it look like if you like looked at a person, for example, from all sides at once. And then he tried to draw that and he created cubism, you know, yeah. and, Dali took surrealism and he made these, these images that were fantastical of his dreams. He just started painting what was in his dreams or in his imagination. And, um, it, you know, this, this latest visionary art has come down through a lot, you know, it's a few generations uh, from there, like MC Escher, uh, created these tessellations where there's like birds and fish tessellated in these geometric patterns. And, and if you read about how he did art, you see, he was making these incredible mathematical, shapes and then he would you know draw pictures over them and so forth um the artists they are they've got more going on in their domes <laughs> yeah. than anybody that i have encountered they are holding more ideas and then they're trying to fit them all into like one picture and some sometimes an artist will work on a painting for weeks or months you know, um, this artist right here, she worked on this painting for three years, for example. I'm not like 100% of the time, you know, but right, she right. Like, worked on it for three years. And if you talk to her about it and you talk to her about all the symbology that's layered in there, there's, you know, sacred geometry and there's Egyptian mythology and there's color and there's all this stuff. It's all layered together into one frame, like one mm -hmm. kind of shot. Uh yeah, the artists. I was just reading in a book that uh, artists are the antenna of the species. Wow. They're the receiving set that is getting the messages. I think it was uh, Marshall McLuhan. He said something like, um, art is what gives you what you need to interpret what's happening, the change that's happening around the future uh, or around the, around the world in the future. It's like the, um, the decoder for the mystery of like where things are going yeah. because the artists, they can, they just have a vision. They can see into the future. I'm more of an audio audi auditory person. I was a guitar player. I can't do the visual art. I've tried, you know, to, to do that. I, it's just, it's not my thing, but I like it. And I've been learning about it and taking it on because it's something that's not, you know, my strength, but uh, yeah, that's been my passion. The visionary art. I'm really passionate about it. I love it a lot. The artists are some of the most interesting people I've ever met. Um, and it really, when you ask them about it and you learn about it and you learn about all the messages and then you go follow all of the symbology and go, it leads to just a lot of interesting, uh, uh, insights. Well, then I got, I got to ask you, you mentioned something about it before, but I didn't hold on to it that, uh, tell us real quick about the art on the front cover of your book. Yeah. So, um, Android Jones, he's, uh, he's this great artist, um, that I met out at Burning Man several years ago. Um, and this art, you know, this visionary art, he's a digital artist. That's what makes him special. And uh, so he does this stuff digitally. Um, but go look him up online. Um, the Smithsonian just opened uh, a, a big exhibit called No Spectators, and it's the art of Burning Man. And it's the first time that this art has gotten some legitimacy. And I'm talking like the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., the big one. They got this huge exhibit, and they got his art and all these sculptures that are all around right now. And um, when I was doing the book, I thought about having him. So, you know, you remember I said, like, you learn different things and you put them together. Mm -hmm. So uh, originally when I was thinking about writing the book, I thought, okay, it's going to be called opportunity. I'm just going to have the word as big as I can 
you know, on the cover. Maybe I'll put it on two lines or, you know, make it this way to just, cause that's it. It's just going to be like, boom in your face. And then I thought more about it. And I thought, no, how do I make something that's really distinctive and unique here? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I called him and I said, hey, would you do the cover with my book? And so we talked about it. And he came up with this idea of the hand holding the lightning bolt. And then we made different variations. And then we came up with this. And what I really love about it is it really captures, to me, opportunity. You know, it's the hand reaching up and grabbing the lightning. You know, you're grabbing the power, but there's danger involved as well. You know, there's, and if you look, there's all kinds of like little figures and things in here. And it, it really just, it just, it just did it for me, you know? And so he made this art piece and he'll actually be releasing this as an art piece, uh, you know, all, all by itself. Um, so yeah, so that was a cool way that I got to integrate um, some of the art, my artistic passion into my book. And I'm kind of proud of it because it's edgy and weird and it doesn't look like a businessy book or whatever. Yeah. And it really kind of, you know, it gets to it. And I've also been having some of these artists do some portraits. I'm building a new website and I'm going to have a bunch of that kind of visionary art on there. And uh, yeah, so as you can see, I'm like a little kid when I talk about that stuff. That's why I asked. That's why I asked. Man, hey, thank you. Thanks for giving us the behind the scenes uh, of you and what makes you tick, but also, of course, just sharing this message of opportunity. Couldn't be a more appropriate one for our audience. Thanks for the time you've invested in us today. And uh, everybody, we'll get them to get this book. They need it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, great sharing from Evan. Again, connect with him and all he has to offer you at zigshow.com slash Evan, E-B-E-N. Hey, if you got value from the show, as always, please let us know. Leave a review in iTunes. So many of you have lately, and it just bumps our rankings up, helps people find us. If you'll do that and send us an email at thanks at ZigglerShow.com, tell us your iTunes username. We'll thank you by sending you Zig Ziglar and Tom Ziglar's book, Born to Win, an actual hard copy. Coming up next in show 570, we hear a clip from Zig Ziglar, longer than normal. This one's over about six, uh, about six minutes, I guess. Uh, but I just couldn't cut more of that because it's just a golden message. Zig talks to us about the power of our attitudes and how the number one high octane fuel to support our positive attitudes is gratitude. Well, from that, I asked this question on Facebook at my page, Agent K Miller. You're welcome to friend me there so you can join the conversation. I asked, I need some stories on gratitude, but want to hear two sides. One, tell me a time when you use gratitude to successfully change your attitude about something. Or tell me when you realized there wasn't enough to be grateful for and you made a needed change. Uh, I think it's going to be a great conversation from what I have seen come in already. Well, till then, thank you for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.